Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Dustin Hawkinsmith. I am Jim Galante. All ready for some uh, Penn State football talk, Dustin. Yeah, actually, I just stepped out of the pool. And there, what, what better way to spend, you know, this amount of time than to break away and uh, banish myself to a little room and talk about Penn State football? Absolutely. It's, it's still May. You're in the pool already. Nice to have good friends with a swimming pool, Dustin, isn't it? Uh, a heated swimming pool. And I, I like to play the role of pool dad. I just, if you want to be thrown, if you want to climb, if you want to jump, if whatever, you want to be splashed, I'm your guy. That goes for you too, by the way. I'll be your pool daddy. (laughs) (laughs) So if I want to get thrown into the pool, you're you're volunteering to do that. There, you got Salty Jim, Sweet Jim, and now Baby Jimmy too will be the 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 next persona. Let me help you out here, Dustin. You better make it just a shove into the pool. The lift and throw ain't gonna work. I'll still wear my back brace just to be safe. (laughs) Good thinking. All right, come on. Let's get to the Penn State news. (laughs) Big news this week. They got the quarterback, Ethan Grunkmeyer, a three-star out of the state of Ohio. And Dustin, I'm going to call this one, it's the Rorschach test. What are you seeing here? Is it glass half full or glass half empty? I could argue it either way. Is it, this was not their initial choice. We know they wanted Michael Van Buren, who ended up in Oregon. We've, we've played this game several times before. Or is this the other side where, you know what? This coaching staff is good at finding those hidden gems. They find the guy first. You could go all the way back to Justin Fields before his recruiting blew up. They had him. Drew Aller, Will Levis, you know, they found those guys early before everybody else did. So what kind of guy are you, Dustin? Glass half full or half empty? So I, I'm definitely, I would go glass half full on this one because I do think this looks like a kid who will get a ratings bump. And I think if Penn State offers and you commit, you get an extra long look then from the recruiting services. So sometimes it's not coincidence that when Penn State gets a commitment from a quarterback or whoever, you know, if they go off the board a little bit to get a commitment, it makes these services look, and I think it's a testament to obviously Penn State being a Big Ten and a Power Five school, but also I think there's some respect there with the coaching staff and the way that they evaluate players. So uh, I think these guys will look at uh, Ethan Grunkmeyer. I think there's a good chance that his stock rises. Um, I don't know if it's ever you know the right time to predict like what Drew Aller did or Justin Fields go from a three star to a five star, but he's a pretty nice little player and um, you know and I would say glass half full really because uh, it just seems like you're just Penzi's not in a place and very few schools are where they're going to get a look from a high four star every single cycle. You know I think if Penzi can get to a place where they go you know three star three star five star you know per per, you know, a, a, a five-star or whatever, every three cycles. That's great. Uh, I also think that when, if or when Drew Aller has a big season and Penn State starts to develop more of a reputation for getting that elite quarterback play, that you're going to get more 
uh, more attention from higher caliber players. Uh, but Ethan Grugmeyer is a nice player. He's 6'2", like 190. I don't think anything really jumps off the board from a physical standpoint, but he just looks like he knows how to play the position. Uh, he's got a good feel for it, plays it at a high level. I think he's got plenty in terms of physical tools and, and tangibles, but I think they like him for uh, the way that he plays the game and goes about it. I think he's, he's a good-looking player. Uh, I expect him by the end of the cycle to be a four-star. You know, that, that's how these things typically go. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, I'm also curious if they're going to get another quarterback if they want one. Well, let's get to that second quarterback question later, Dusty. Let's talk about Grunkmeyer a little bit. Um, if you want to put on the blue and white glasses, we could see him taking the Drew Aller path, right? He's from Ohio. He has the same quarterback coach and his through his junior year, he's a three-star, so not as highly thought of, but he seems to be on the upswing. Now, he was, by coincidence, at the Regional Elite 11 over the weekend, and he um, graduated. It was announced he's going to go to the Elite 11 finals, which sure as heck is better than not <laughs> qualifying for that. Now, I don't know how many quarterbacks were there, how many of them advanced, but it seems like he's on that right path. And if you have some confidence in Mike Yursich, and if you have some confidence in that guy who seemed to do very well in coaching Drew Aller and now seems to be doing the same thing with Grunkmeyer, there's a lot to be positive about. Yeah, and I, I think uh, with the Elite 11, I think you have to play at a pretty high level when you're a guy like Ethan Grunkmeyer because you know you don't look all that great in shorts. You know, 6'2", 190 is really kind of that tweener position. Like, he's tall enough, and, and I think, you know, over the last decade or so, the the stereotypes have been torn down uh, how big you have to be to play quarterback um, at the college or the pro level. But, you know, I think usually these competitions like this, you know, if you have a huge, huge arm, you stand out. If you uh, are lightning fast, you stand out. But if you're just pretty good across the board, it's kind of hard to stand out. So I'll be curious to see how he does. Um, he kind of strikes me as a guy who is going to look better and play better on actual game film than in these in these drill type situations. But it is, as you said, better to be invited and to go than not. And it is a chance to see him and how he stacks up against some of the other best quarterbacks in the country. And it is another platform for him to maybe get that ratings boost and, you know, maybe make some Penn state fans who are feeling a little uneasy about another three-star quarterback or whatever to feel more confident about him. Because I, I do think that when it comes to fit and what Penn state's looking for, he's a pretty good fit. Like I, I think it's depending on how you feel about Sean Clifford, probably comparable prospect to what Sean Clifford was coming out of Ohio as well. And by the way, that's another interesting thing. You mentioned Sean Clifford, Ohio, Drew Aller, Ohio. If this guy is the next guy, that would be three consecutive quarterbacks out of Ohio. Isn't that interesting? But you, again, as Penn State fans, we use stars as our scoreboard for recruiting. And you see what Ohio State does, speaking of the state of Ohio, they bring in these four or five-star quarterbacks two at a time. You know, it's every year. If you're going to do like you talked about, Dustin, where it's three-star, three-star, high four or five-star, 
you better hit when you have that opportunity. But, you know, you, you're going to have to hit also on one or two of these three-star guys too. You are, and I, I think they're kind of banking on that. Like, I, th- I think you you bring in a couple guys who might need two or three years to develop, and who who could develop at a high level. You're you're taking some guesses, and you're taking some chances when it comes to their intangibles and the way that they can lead and the way they can, they can perform under pressure and do some of the things that are not so easy to see on game film. And so you're banking on that a little bit, and then you hope, I think, to to surround them with, with guys that, um, you know, check off more boxes. So I, I mean, I think the formula has been okay. It's, it's interesting with the quarterback spot because Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford occupied so much time as a starting quarterback under, under James Franklin, you still, to some extent, don't really know how they develop quarterbacks and you can, depends who you ask when it comes to Sean Clifford and, uh, but how, how well do they develop these guys? You know, Will Levis went off to Kentucky and uh, kind of spread his wings a little bit and flew because he got that opportunity. Tommy Stevens, you know, he went off to Mississippi State. He was okay there. He got a chance as a tight end in the NFL. Um, but how good is Penn State at developing quarterbacks, especially under Mike Yersich? You don't really know for a fact yet. And I think what's interesting is that Drew Aller will give you that really just the third player to, to do that. So as interesting as as long as James Franklin has been at Penn State, there's still some things to learn about how they're managing the quarterback spot because they've had such prolonged starting tenures for for the guys that they have started. And I think as Penn State fans, you hear this and I, I agree with this. You keep seeing them get their second or third choice and then it's almost like, okay, here's the spin. He's a riser, you know, and if you go back, you know, like they really wanted Caleb Williams. They really wanted Michael Van Buren this year. Even, you know, last year they ended up with Jackson Smolik. They had Marcus Stokes first. They really wanted J.J. Cole for a while. So when you start to see the second or third choice, this is was their call making these guys the second or third choice. Speaking of which, you asked it earlier, Dustin, so I'll put it right back at you. Should they sign a second quarterback, and is that the plan? My thought is yes and yes. Yeah, I I don't know for I'm not privy to what they're planning to do, but they are high on the on the board for another quarterback uh, from the area and Samaj Jones, who is maybe you could call him a Penn State lean at least prior to uh, Grunkmeyer uh, committing, but. You know, it it does make sense. You know, they've got three quarterbacks on the roster that go sophomore, redshirt, freshman, freshman. And it's not like you can throw more youth at the problem, but they, they're, they're, the reality is they're down to three scholarship quarterbacks. Uh, It probably makes sense to take a second one here. And I would imagine the coaching staff is planning on doing that, especially if they can get another guy that they really value at that spot. And, um, you know, I think looking back, there has been a lot of plan B. Uh, in, in play at Penn State with, with their quarterback recruiting. But I would say that their plan Bs have, have been generally pretty good, though. You know, if you call Drew Aller a plan B or if you call um, Will Levis a plan B, he was. Tommy Stevens was a plan B. They've done okay with, with their plan B guys, and they've done okay with guys that don't have the national fanfare, but they've identified what they are and how they could fit. So I would say that is another area where – you can maybe take a little comfort that they've, they've got a pretty thorough evaluation of this guy and they genuinely like him. 
and I think the other variable we got to throw in here is instead of going way back, let's just talk Mike Yursich. Drew Aller was Mike Yursich's guy. I think one for one. Okay. We yeah. don't know yet about uh, Smolik. We don't know yet, of course, about Grunkmeyer. But do you have confidence in Mike Yursich and his eye for quarterbacks? I mean, I, th- I think there are early signs. I mean, with Drew Aller um, and the way that they got him before he rose, and then clearly the way that he improved from spring to summer, I think is another encouraging thing. So if you're going to make leaps, I know Drew Aller is a special case, but if, if, if Mike Yersich is going to coach these guys up so they make leaps like that, uh, I think you can get a number of guys in there who fit, uh, who can do a good job and who be pretty good starters down the road. All right, that is it, Dustin, for quarter number one in the quarterback talk. We still have a lot more to go over, including in quarter number two, we are going to talk about some of these new additions to the roster that just showed up. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, a good first segment. We talked quarterbacks. Now we're going to talk about some players who are showing up now, not next year. And these are the May arrivals. This used to be when all of the freshmen showed up. Now so many of them come in that January, the, that early graduation. Remember the time when a high school kid finishing up early and showing up in January? Remember when that used to be unique and unusual? Yeah. And now it's like, I don't try to think in these terms, but it's like, there's like six guys from Penn State's 23 class who aren't on campus. And the first, the first thought is like, what's wrong with those guys? You know, like, but uh, like, obviously there are different things to finish up and, and different pieces of business to take care of depending on who you are. But you got a huge wave arriving in May. And I think that's, you know, it's pretty good timing. Obviously you want 
you would love to have everybody show up and go through winter strength and conditioning and spring practice. It's so valuable. But showing up in May does allow you to get your feet under you. You're, you're plugged into social circles. You got your academics under control. You're, you've got a good direction as far as fitting in and you spent time around your teammates and stuff. It's, it's, it's beneficial. Um, it's better than showing up in June. But, um, but yeah, this is, you know, it's happening in waves now. And a lot of times it's happening in January, which, you know, if, you, if you're really interested in competing right away and, and football is your top priority, by all means, you give up your high school graduation, you give up maybe the second semester of your, of your senior year, all, all the things that, you know, the, the time for you to coast, you know, you give that up and you go the opposite direction. I'm a coaster, Jim. I would not be a January enrollee. I would be, a, I would be arriving in June. Good thing I'm not an athlete though. <laughs> yes. Truer words were never spoken. He's not an athlete. <laughs> all, all those I'm a coaster and I'm not an athlete are so true. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I started asking you about freshmen and when they arrived. Now I'm going to shift real quick. I want to hit the transfer portal first. Let's get to those guys. And the big name in all of this, Dustin, is Dante Cephas, the wide receiver coming in from Kent State. And the question is, you know, where does he fit in the pecking order in that wide receiver room? I am fascinated to find out. You know, there's a lot of interest in him from high-level programs, and I think it's important to draw the distinction that this guy is accomplished and he's a pretty good player, but just because there's a high level of interest from from good programs doesn't mean that he's going to be a superstar. Doesn't mean that he's going to be a star player. I think Mitchell Tinsley was proof of that too. Dante Cephas, you know, and, and I actually, I, I want to give a shout out to the guys at For the Bloggy. They did a really good breakdown of his game film and his strengths and some of the things that he doesn't do as well and um, kind of paints the picture of somebody who is, you know, can can fit in. He could go anywhere from number four to number one on the depth chart as far as I'm concerned. He's built and he plays kind of just like uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith. And Harrison Wallace, you know, you've got guys who are not huge players. They're they're not uh, burners, and they're not six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. These are good tacticians at the position. And Dante Cephas falls into that category. I think he's a really good route runner. Uh, he knows what he's doing out there. Uh, he brings out to the table. He can get loose down the field. He creates some separation on his own by doing things that wide receivers do. And all that stuff bodes well. It's just a matter of when you're locked into a one-on-one battle with a future first-round or second-round draft pick at quarterback, is he going to be able to create the same degree of separation? And I think I have questions enough about Dante Cephas to wonder and not, not be sure that that's going to happen. So that's where the variance is as far as how good he can actually be. But he looks like a guy who I think even in, you know, I would say like not a worst case scenario, but a very realistic scenario, he's a 30 to 40 catch guy. I think he's going to be somebody who makes a difference, but is he going to be splashy? Um, Is he going to have a huge season? I don't really see that. Um, and I think that's why you could you could very well see Keandre Lambert Smith and Harrison Wallace fit, start the year at one and two and finish the year at one and two. And frankly, I think that's what every Penn State fan should want. They should want your your farm system guys, so to speak, to beat out the the hired gun. So I think that's what you should want to happen. But I think Dante Cephas, no matter what, whatever the role is, is going to be, be a pretty important guy in this offense. If he's just one of the three, Dustin. That's a good acquisition. Yeah. Anything over and above that, I look at as gravy. You know, if he could be the number one guy, 
I think when they brought the two guys in, Dante Cephas and Malik McClain, Malik McClain was the one that you hope he's the home run, but it also could be a strikeout, you know? Could he be the guy, that big receiver that we haven't seen yet? Could he contribute in that way? But I think if you're feeling comfortable, as James Franklin seems to say, in Keandre Lambert-Smith and and Trey Wallace, that, okay, you know, if I could just get a third guy that I have some confidence in, I'm okay with that. And I'll even go so far as to say what you did, even number four, if Omari Evans is that number three guy because he has that tremendous speed and Dante Cephas is number four, I would not call that a failure. It's it's a contributor to this team. So yeah, um, I'm yeah. looking forward I, I, to I agree with that. And, and I, I mean, I think to your point, like there are some different styles and different strengths of guys, but from like one to five, the unique thing about this depth chart is there's just not a great big deal of difference between them. You know, any, any way, and, and maybe they, they're okay and they want that interchangeability. I think there is going to be some of that. It, it, it'll be fun to watch, and it is definitely a room that has to prove themselves. But I do like Keandre Lambert-Smith. I probably like Trey Wallace more than most people do. So I, I think they've got the uh, the pieces there. The next one I want to talk about in the transfer portal is Trey Potts. Where Dante Cephas, we said he could be a one, anywhere from a one to a four. Trey Potts is a three. He's number three in the running back room. That's exactly what he is. I have zero doubt he's capable, barring any injury, he's capable of filling that role. We know that. I think they'd feel comfortable with that. He's a plug-and-play number three running back, isn't he? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, if a worst-case scenario unfolds and Trey Potts is your starter for a week or two, it's not that bad. He's gone north of 100 yards a few times. He's averaged somewhere around five yards per carry in his various roles at Minnesota. He was okay coming into a crowded depth chart. I think there's a, it's a situation where there's going to be a lot of incentive to limit the amount of tax on uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, especially like late in games that are lopsided or whatever. I think Trey Potts is going to get some pretty serious run in, in a variety of situations. And I think um, you can use that to keep your top two guys fresh. Uh, you can use that to give them, un, you know, just to limit unnecessary carries for, for them. You can spell them early. I, I think you can, you can save Katron Allen as a closer if you want to give him the ball 11, 12 times in the fourth quarter or something. I mean, I think Trey Potts gives you a lot of flexibility because he's been there. He's done that. He's got a, a pretty nice, diverse skill set. He's not great in any one area, but he's pretty good across the board. He's got Big Ten experience. I mean, I, I really couldn't imagine a better offseason signing out of the transfer portal than Trey Potts. Pennsylvania native, Big Ten experience, has done some good things on on the big stage before. What's not to like there? And I think there's going to be a lot of room for Penn State to get him some work as their number three. And Dustin, a year ago, Penn State was very fortunate with the health of Nick Singleton and Kayshawn Allen. You've got to imagine, and I didn't look up statistics on any of this, but to expect both guys to be 100% for the next 12 games, that's expecting a lot. Something will happen somewhere, a twisted ankle, something, even if it's just a game or two. And maybe it's just, you know what, we're playing it safe. Catron Allen could play if we need him to, but if we don't need him to, isn't it great to have Potts here to fill in? 
And, and, and I think that is really the gift. The, the, that's exactly what I, what I was going to say is you have the luxury now of playing it slow and doing what's in the best long-term interest of either one of those guys should a situation present itself where, where that's needed. They did get very lucky, I think, with the way that that last season went. Um, you're not always going to be that lucky. It's just the fact of the matter. And the, it's the, it's the nature of that position and the amount of grind that, that it is and the amount of punishment, punishment that you can take. I think they're going to have the luxury of playing things out slowly and making sure that your guy is back to hundred percent and you don't have to rush them. And so that's another layer of, of why Trey Potts was just such an impactful guy. You don't ever need him to be your starter necessarily, but if he has to play a big role, he's pretty comfortable doing it. Exactly. I thought that when, I was fearful that they would not be able to find a guy who is experienced, who has this level of talent, who has Big Ten experience, has Big Ten starting experience. I could not imagine that they would find him. He was like the perfect guy for the role that they're looking for. Okay, uh, Dustin, the last two minutes we have uh, the two other names that came in, Alonzo Ford, Old Dominion, defensive tackle, um, he has a couple years of eligibility left and Addison Penn, he's an offensive lineman from Duke. And I, we talked earlier about the quarterback position and how much do we trust just the coaches to bring these guys in. I've become very trusting of these coaches bringing in transfer portal guys. They might be stars or they might just be, um, depth pieces, but they seem to play all play a role. Yeah, I think for for those spots in particular, being a number three is okay. You know, if Addison Penn, who Phil Troutwine offered when he was at uh, Boston College, you know, he was he was a it was a legitimate Division One prospect back in the day who hadn't gotten a lot of run at Duke. Um, if he just fills in, if he's your your third guy at guard or something. That, that justifies the move, I think, especially since he's going to be able to lend that much sooner than later. And same thing with Alonzo Ford. I don't know how well his game's going to translate to the next level. I know what Derek Tangelo was able to do when he came to Penn State. Uh, Alonzo Ford jumping from Old Dominion, he is going to be jumping up against guys who are a lot bigger, stronger, faster. But if he's, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh on the depth chart and he, he ends up playing a couple hundred snaps or something, I mean, that's worth the move too because you got somebody who can do that right away. I, that, and that's what I would say I, ex- I expect from both of them is to be rotational type guys, to be depth type guys that if, if, if you, as long as things don't fall apart completely, you're not going to need either one to uh, play a huge role for you. But, you know, they're, they're veteran presence guys right now, positions that always need that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't expect a lot of splash, a lot of sizzle from from them, but there's value in filling out your depth chart with an experienced player. There really is. And like I said, this is partially me just trusting the staff. And the other part of the equation is I believe Penn State right now is over the number of scholarships. They're at like 87, 88, and they need to get down to 85. So bringing these guys in was either – there's knowledge of people leaving or they thought enough of these guys, hey, we'll work it out later. So either way, good additions to the team. Stick around quarter number three. We're going to talk about the true freshman who came on board in May. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, quarter number three. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. Dustin. We're talking about the May arrivals. In quarter number two, we hit the transfer portal. Now let's go with the freshmen. And there's some interesting guys in this group. There really are some guys who, I don't know, they they might play this year. And I'm going to kind of jump around from the list you gave me to some of my favorite guys on the list. I want to start with King Mac. First of all, he's got a five-star name. Okay, let's start with that. He's also got elite speed, and we know how this defense works. If you've got an elite trait like speed, there's a chance you could get on the field no matter when you showed up. I think if you have a calling card attribute, and if speed is that calling card attribute, it's it's even better. It's the best thing you can you can possess because it's the hardest thing to find, and that's what King Mac has. He's got game-breaking type speed. But he is also a really, really good safety who, you know, it, it, we're, I think we're talking about him. If, if he's six foot or six foot one and 200 or 205 pounds, you're probably talking about him being more of a five star and not a high four star. And if he's that, then maybe there's a good chance that he didn't make it out of the South for Penn State. So it's actually pretty good that he's undersized at 5'11, 180. Uh, I don't really care about that. I think there's a lot of examples of players who are five foot eleven who have been first round picks uh, at, at safety. You know, I think before too long, you're going to look at King Mack at five eleven, one ninety five, two hundred, and you're going to forget about all this undersized stuff. And maybe that even happens in year one. Uh, he's the number seven safety in the country, number eighty seven overall in the twenty four seven Sports Composite. He is a playmaker. And, you know, we talked, uh, I think off air just about, you know, the fact that some players, you, you, you just have to get them on the field. I don't know if King Mac is quite have to get them on the field, but he is really, really close to it. If not, 
And there is still some uncertainty at safety. There still is room for him to blow the coaching staff away upon his arrival and make a huge impact in year one. There is that possibility, kind of like Abdul Carter did last year. You never forecast any freshman to, to come out of, not nowhere, but to exceed expectations like that. But King Mac is in that conversation. If you would ever predict anybody to do it, uh, he's got to think enough of an opening. Uh, he's got the calling card speed. He knows how to play the game. Uh, you know, he's definitely high on the list of, of players to watch of any true freshman, but certainly this group of, of arrivals in May. Uh, he's a player, man. I, and I think that very well could be a factor in, in year one. And again, at 5'11", 180 playing safety, you're kind of ideal for special teams, even if you don't play a large role on defense. Well, I'm glad you brought up special teams because that's where I was headed. And again, part of that conversation you and I were having off the air. Anymore, when you've got talented players, you redshirt thinking, okay, then four more years where they're on campus for five years. If they have any talent anymore, they're not going to stick around for five years. That's the outlier. I don't want to waste a year with these guys. And even if, and James Franklin seems to go this route also, if you're a great special teams guy and having that kind of speed, the gunner, when you're punting the ball, this is the type of player you're going to get on the field for that role. And if you could get him on the field as a safety also, that's just bonus, Dustin. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you think about the way that um, KJ Winston was used la- last year where they, they were trying to hold back. and uh, But he you could just tell that the coaching staff thought highly of him. And you could tell that that you know they, they felt like he was a, a very important future piece of the defense. I feel like that that's a pretty good blueprint for how we might see King Mac uh, this year. There's not really a need to push him into that top-tier group because you are pretty well set at, at the top four spots at safety. But... Um, he, he might be, he might be the next guy and you might be able to get a lot of value out of him on, on special teams all the while you're developing him. You're getting him game reps at that level. I mean, it's, it's a big thing. And I think he could be primed to be uh, a real impact guy in 2024. Let's stay at safety and let's talk to Kari Nelson, who is not undersized. Yeah. I, I mean, you far from it really. And, and, you know, it's a calling card thing too. Like, it's an attribute with his, with his length at six foot three. Uh, he looks like he's got go go gadget arms at, at safety, and and I I wondered like, can he possibly stay there? It really looks like he's going to stay there. It looks like he's he's built for that. And where King Mac can be an eraser, as James Franklin likes to say, or uh, somebody who makes the field seem smaller because of his speed. You know, Dakari Nelson with that rare length at safety will, can make the field feel a little bit smaller. You think about him going up for 50-50 balls in the middle of the field. Uh, and so I think with that length, just the way that King Mac has that speed, boy, it really is nice to have a really fast and a really long safety possibly competing for prime reps in year one. Uh, Dakari Nelson, number 12 safety in the country. I mean, I think these two in tandem, the one-two punch King Mac and Dakari Nelson, is one of the defining characteristics of this recruiting class in addition to the offensive line. I mean, these are are really good players who should be pretty good right away, who have uh, at least one skill that can translate to a Power 5 conference immediately. So I'm very, I'm very excited to see how King Mack 
and Dakari Nelson develop. And I would be stunned if, if at least one of them is not uh, a prime talking point this summer. Let's jump to tight end and Andrew Rapoyer, who we talked earlier in the show about not getting the number one quarterback you wanted. I get the feeling this is a tight end they really wanted. And if you remember early on, it will seem like things were full at the end and he would have been the third tight end commit. He committed elsewhere. That kind of adjusted a bit. Don't want to get into it now, but this was a guy I think they really wanted. And now the word is he's put on some decent weight. So maybe, just maybe, he's physically ready to give you some downs as a true freshman, Dusty. Or is that crazy I mean, talk? I don't think it's crazy talk at all. I mean, uh, you look at what the, the position Pat Fryermuth was in uh, a few years ago is different than this. But you know, at the same time, if Rappelier is ready for it, you know, if, if he's the player that they believe he can be, and now that he's listed in that like 6'5", 240 range, he's not far off from being uh, a down-to-down player at, at tight end. You know, it's, it's a tough position because you've got you've to be adept at both blocking and uh, catching the ball downfield, uh, you know, in the same way. But he really looks like he's the real deal to me. Um, you know, number six tight end in the country in the 24 seven sports composite. They love him. He seems to have a really good head on his shoulders. He, he has done everything he possibly can. It seems at this point to get himself ready to make a run. We're not talking about Penn state needing a number one tight end. We're not talking about Penn state needing a number two tight end, but really the, the race is, is, is very much open to see who can make a run at number three tight end. And if, if Rappelier isn't ready by week one for that, you can, maybe he's ready by week four, week five, week six, and, and, and makes a, makes a push later on. But, you know, I think there is room there at number three tight end. And we saw how important that can be. If they've got three players, they really like uh, that number three tight end can be a a huge part of this offense. Um, So I'll be interested to see. I mean, you have, Obviously, Khalil Dinkins and Jerry Cross are on campus. You've got uh, Mega Barnwell, who came on, and Joey Schlaffer, who who came on. Uh, but I, I think Rappelier is a different breed of, of tight end prospect. And if that translates immediately, you could see him defy those odds and, and, and hit the field and burn his redshirt in year one. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. And, and again, he seems to be one of those guys who could be a weapon and be a weapon right away. It'll be fun to watch him. Let's do a two-for-one here. How about let's hit the running backs. Cameron Wallace, the late edition, listed at 5'9", 175, perhaps undersized, a little different than the typical Penn State running back. The other one, London Montgomery, coming off a pretty serious injury. But they both probably, probably are going to redshirt. But also two interesting prospects. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they didn't get the elite of the elite at running back in this class. But London Montgomery is a really nice looking player who, if, if he makes a nice recovery from his knee injury, which more and more athletes are making not only a, a complete recovery, but a fast recovery um, because they're applying what they know from football to, to speed things up on, on the rehabilitation side of it. Uh, London Montgomery can be a really good player for Penn state, but you know, I, I don't think it was going to be in year one. We'll see where he is health wise. 
Uh, Cameron Wallace, it was not in his best interest to be somebody that Penn State was going to lean on in year one. So I think it actually benefits him. It benefits Penn State for Trey Potts to come along uh, from Minnesota and fill that role and give Cameron Wallace a little bit of time to, to get what he needs to get done in the weight room, to, to learn what he needs to learn uh, on, on, the, in the, on the playbook side of things, and redshirt this year and, and be in better position maybe next year to make a run at things. London Montgomery, I would anticipate still that he's not going to be ready enough to, to make a run at burning his redshirt this year. Uh, but then with both of those guys, you know, and, and with the running backs set to come on board in 2024 and 2025, they are literally arriving in May of their freshman year with a lot of urgency to show what they can do and show that they belong and get and, and make the absolute most of that experience edge they're going to have on guys like Quentin Martin uh, and, and those guys who are coming along, Keandre Baker, those guys come along a little bit later. You know, I, I think it, it's on them right now to get in there and, and show what they can do. And I think London Montgomery is one of those guys who, had he played his senior year, we would be talking about him a lot differently. And he might have been that high four-star kind of guy, someone that we would be much more excited about. All right, of the guys left, I'll give you your pick. Who do you want to talk about? Uh, guys, so Kavion uh, Keys is, is a good one. I mean... Uh, an impact late signing for, for Penn state. And, and they've done, they've done a pretty good job at, at getting impact late signings. Uh, John Dotson is one that comes to mind uh, too, but he's the number two sixty six player overall, number 23 linebacker in the 24 seven sports composite. Uh, you, you've seen him often lining up on the edge and pressuring the quarterback. And I like that experience given what Manny Diaz has shown what he'll do. If you can make a move on the quarterback, he will put you in a position to do it. I think that's KV on keys. So much depth and such a short amount of time at linebacker that not saying KB on keys is an afterthought, but he kind of is given what they've got right now. And with Tony Rojas in the same class. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, number two sixty six in the country, that is not bad. Dusty. That's a pretty highly ranked kid. And I think sometimes when you don't have enough time to talk about a guy, because he's a late pick in the, in the whole cycle, you, you do tend to forget those guys. Don't forget about him. All right, that's it. Quarter number three. We got one more segment to go. Stick around. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. Dustin, since I get to introduce a segment, okay, one of us is going to do this. I get the opportunity to do it first, okay? Yep. We're going to do a toy story here in quarter number four. I beat you to it. Yep. We're going to infinity and beyond on this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I think as we talk about it, it it'll, it'll come to light a little bit more. I'll let you do those honors as well. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about Dominic Toy. Not a highly rated guy, but it's an interesting story and I think it it'll open up a bigger conversation for us because Dominic Toy, he's listed as a tight end/defensive end, 6 foot 5, 215 pounds, out of Chester near Philadelphia, which means something okay it means something being a pennsylvania guy it means even more being a philadelphia guy it also it it ties into you want to get your foothold into philadelphia and here's a guy that no he's not a four or five star i think he's ranked within the state of pennsylvania itself depending on which ranking he's 25th in the state somewhere else he was listed 35th in the state but he's an intriguing athlete and you're not going to have all four or five stars in your recruiting class like Alabama does or Ohio State does or Georgia does this is the kind of guy though you may invest in and have it pay off big time for you Dusty yeah and I think it's such a fascinating case study you know I find myself whenever you're talking about having a foothold in a state a football foothold in a region or in this case you know, the, the city of Philadelphia and its surrounding area there, you know, you tend to think about that as creating a recruiting pipeline to the powerhouses and getting the best players in that area because you've got the best relationships and you've got trust and you've got all that. Uh, but this it takes this takes that same conversation in a little different direction in that when you've got a foothold in the region, you're in better. You should be in better position to get an evaluation like this done. You should know more about that region and be able to dig a little deeper than any other coaching staff in the country and find a guy like Dominic Toy. You know, find a guy who's still on the raw side. Find a guy who, you know, isn't really getting their, the national recruiting rounds because he plays at a basketball school that, um, as far as I saw, uh, my colleague at Penn Live, Johnny McGonigal, wrote that he was, um, he's believed to be the first uh, Div- Division One football player from Chester. Uh, as, as long as things keep proceeding how, how they have been. And so you think about that. I mean, it's just it's just rare for Chester to produce a player like this. Maybe it's rare if you're 6'5", 215, if you're not a power forward and only a power forward at Chester. Maybe that's the rare thing here. But either way, I mean, this is a really intriguing player uh, who's a tight end slash defensive end. He's being recruited by Deion Barnes, who's leading the, the show down there, who, you know, talk about the Philadelphia area. He coached in the Philadelphia area. He's from there. Uh, he 
is now Penn State's defensive line coach. I would anticipate he's going to be a defensive end, but there's a lot of room for him to grow into as a player. And, you know, if you're going to talk about Dominic Toy maybe being your 25th player or maybe he's the lowest rated player in Penn State's recruiting class if he ends up committing down the line, uh, he's a pretty good guy to have as your lowest rated player because there's so much room for him to grow into there. So I think it's just, you know, you, you don't want to pen, pat Penn State's coaching staff on the back because you don't know exactly what Dominic Toy is going to be. But this is a cool story, and it, it could be a good get for them uh, in, in the Philadelphia area and kind of the, the, the next step uh, for them. They've done a great job in Philadelphia over the past couple of recruiting cycles. And Dominic Toy, maybe not the, the prototypical Abdul Carter type player, but maybe he's uh, an exciting player down the line. And I think it's good for them to offer and, uh, and potentially be a leader for him now. When I see these guys described as an athlete, and maybe it's they don't have the same experience, and especially if you're not at a football power, you may not have had the coaching that would show up on film where you say, okay, this guy's got this technique, he's got that experience, he's showing that skill set, but if he's got the physical tools... And I'll tell you what, if you're at a basketball school and I'm of the feeling that a lot of these guys that you've described as they should be power forwards in basketball, they're probably a good chance they could play a tight end. They could play defensive end. It's those similar kind of skill sets, the coordination, the length, the strength, the hands for a tight end. I don't even know if this guy, he plays on the basketball team, but when you're described as athletic and you're six foot five, that's a guy you, you, you may want to invest in dusty. Now, the other part to this is as we described, you want to get into specific areas, Penn state, a big part of Dion Barnes's job. Yeah. We hope he's this excellent technician as a defensive line coach, but you've got to be able to recruit. And it feels like James Franklin's last several hires, it was about, here's a guy who could go into this region and do things for us. We saw that with the wide receiver coach and his connections down in the Tidewater, Virginia Beach area. Deion Barnes, he's Philadelphia. He's all about Philadelphia. And to get a toehold into there with a guy like Deion Barnes, it makes this kind of recruiting story even better, doesn't it? It, it does. And I think um, I think it was maybe two years ago. Uh, I remember Audrey Snyder from The Athletic wrote something about Penn State and recruiting the, the Philadelphia area. And it was a lot of Terry Smith talking about, you know, how the mentality from the coaching staff has changed. How, you know, the importance of offering early you know, they were waiting until they were absolutely certain before they offered guys. And for whatever reason in Philadelphia, that really put Penn State behind the eight ball. So they shifted that mentality. And so that him talking about that was very revealing as far as, you know, the recruiting game goes. Uh, it was an honest kind of assessment of what they weren't doing to their the best of their ability. So they started offering earlier to players because it mattered to them. And I think that has been a large part of them being so much more successful over the past, what, two or three cycles is them changing their mentality about that. And so now you bring in Dion Barnes who climbs the ladder and now he's your defensive line coach. 
And now you've got not only that better mentality and you've got, you know, some success stories lining up from the Philadelphia area. Now you've got a guy who's very, very well respected there, who's very well respected in terms of being uh, one of the better young defensive coaches in the country, perhaps. And so now you're looking at, okay, now they're, they're, they're playing on both sides. They've got, you know, a guy who, who's got that reputation. They've got uh, a reputation. They've got it from as a program of, of, offering and recruiting and developing guys in Philly. And then I think that the, the other layer to that is it would seem that Penn state is making a, uh, a priority to get more into New Jersey on a more consistent basis. I mean, I think the Philadelphia region it's intertwined with South Jersey. Um, and, and maybe you start to get more of a foothold and spread, spread your wings a bit, uh, as you spread out from Philly, um, to the East. As someone who lived in Philadelphia for a lot of years, South Jersey is just a suburb of Philadelphia. It's part yeah. of Philadelphia, okay? And, so maybe that, in, you know, that influence spreads into South Jersey, and then maybe it spreads up. And, Dustin, when I'm sure there are going to be Penn State fans. And let me first clarify. Dominic Toy, he was offered a scholarship to Penn State. He hasn't committed. There's nothing like that. But it's fascinating to the story, and we're kind of using Dominic Toy as the reason to talk about the rest of these things. And I'm sure there will be casual Penn State fans who will look at his offer list and see people like BC, Rutgers, Temple, UConn, and not be impressed because they're not seeing Alabama and Ohio State. But this, the other part to this equation is, Dion Barnes is kind of part of the Philadelphia scene, high school football scene. So I expect him to be a guy capable of finding the hidden gems in Philadelphia area. Who knows if was there another coach some there where, hey, Dion, you need to look at this guy. He's not no one's paying attention to him, but there's some talent there. That's the other part of this equation. And uh, yeah, it, it is. And I think, you know, having those ends and being able to, so, I mean, there's a lot of layers between having a coach call you up, especially if it's Chester's coach, call you up and say, Hey, I got this guy, or if it's an opposing coach or something. Okay. So now he's on your radar. You got to do some digging. You got to find out whether he's Penn state material or not, whether he's doing the right things in the classroom. You got to talk to uh, principals and teachers, all the stuff that James Franklin says before you make this offer to him. So, but clearly he got good information. They pursued it. They liked what they saw. I'm sure that there's some pretty high level testing numbers you're talking about with this guy, uh, given the way that he looks. And um, the reality is a Penn state deserves some um, leeway and some respect as far as how they've been able to develop guys like this in the past. And then I think it's important to note that if you're going to sign a 25 member recruiting class, they're not all going to be four and five stars. And it's like, if you're going to sign a three star and again, Dominic toy is not committed. He's not signed certainly, but if you're going to get a guy on board in your recruiting class, who is a three star, why not be somebody who can be an explosive three star? Give me some boomer bust there. You don't have to settle for a three-star. I, I would I would love to have a three-star who the only reason he is is because he doesn't have any exposure whatsoever. Or maybe he's still raw. If you believe in your coaching staff, you believe in Deion Barnes and his connections to Philadelphia and his ability to develop, then this could be a, a home run type 
signing if he gets to that point in Penn State's class. And it's exactly the type of player, if you want to own a region, a Dominic Toy development story is a huge piece for that. You know, if you if you evaluate, uh, sign, and develop Dominic Toy into a really good player, that buys you all kinds of credibility in the future as well in Philadelphia. And Dustin, with Deion Barnes now, Philadelphia is Penn State's backyard, okay? They've decided they're planting their flag there. This is part of our recruiting territory. Nobody else should be able to come in and find a hidden gem. We should be the first ones to identify that guy. And that's what you hope this kind of thing is. And as you said, I think you put it well. If you're going to gamble, if you're going to gamble on a three-star where do they have some unique skills, e- physical skills, even if they don't have the aren't as refined yet, Dusty? Yeah, if you've got just like the the draft, if you got the athleticism of a first round pick, but you got no resume whatsoever, take that guy in the seventh round and see what happens. Exactly. All right, Dusty, that's the final word. We are out of time. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.